0: Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Alright, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning as we work our way through Corinthians. And uh, the good news this week is we can meet without mask. Praise God. So the CDC, the Controlled Disinformation Center, it's a new political arm of the government, gave us the good news. And uh, I'm not mocking or ridiculing. If you want to wear a mask, wear, wear a mask. Whatever the Lord's told you to do, do that. Vaccine, no vaccine, that's between you and God. But guys, raise your awareness of what's going on in this country. Um, raise your awareness, because there's going to be another emergency. There's going to be another fear factor to gain control over the population. Uh, I saw an article where young people, this is where it's going, young people are now saying if, if their fellow students don't get the vaccine, they shouldn't be allowed to come back to school. These aren't the adults. These are now the young people that have been being programmed over the last year, fear for your life, fear for your life, fear for your life, are now saying, well, if they don't have the vaccine, they shouldn't be allowed to come back to school. Really? Is that science? It's not science. Antibodies, antibodies. Do a little research on science and also do the numbers. Uh, I'm not harping, but we have to educate ourselves enough. Go on to the AZDHS arizona department of health services and look at the numbers yourself just don't listen to the communist national network or fox do a little bit of research and look up the numbers so that you can disseminate that information to your coworkers, to your neighbors to your children to show them hey what's going on in our state and what's been going on in our state and where are we at and how we're we moving forward with jesus guys people need jesus they don't need more fear and control People need Jesus. So you do your part and the Holy Spirit will use you. But if we walk around in fear and don't have the information, how's the Holy Spirit going to use us? The Word of God as well as science. I have no issue with that. But don't place science above the Word of God, ever. Don't place the, the Constitution above the Word of God, ever. Ever. It doesn't work that way. First Amendment, Second Amendment, it does not work that way. We're servants of the Most High God. That's our first calling. We're servants, we're slaves of the Most High God. That's our first calling. Well, let's look at Corinthians here. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll pick it up in verse 6. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of me, on behalf of one against the other. For who makes you differ from another, and what do you have that you did not receive? Now if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already full, you are already rich, you, already, you have reigned as kings without us, and indeed I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure, being defamed, we entreat, we have been made as the filth of the world, the off-scouring of all things until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers." For in Christ, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know Not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Father, we thank you for your word. I pray for the gift of teaching. Lord, I pray for every heart here Again, for every ministry that's taking place on this campus and every Bible believing church. Lord, we want churches to grow spiritually. Get people saved, Lord. Use our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last Sunday, Paul was continuing to address the immaturity of the believers in Corinth. They were focusing on the temporal instead of looking towards the eternal. And this is not a new concept, but one that most of humanity has done throughout the centuries. So these opening chapters are definitely relevant for the church today. As believers, we can either focus on the desires of the flesh or focus on the desires of the Holy Spirit. And again, in the last 10 or 15 years in the area of Christianity, there's been a movement to be relevant, to be relevant And try to cater to get people into the church by being relevant. And whatever that means, whatever that looks like. You know, the finest of music, a light show, smoke, uh, whatever that might be. uh, Tattooed pastors, whatever it is, we want to be relevant to the generation so that they'll come in. And then they come in and they go, man, this is nothing like the world. You guys don't know how to play. You don't know how to put on a party. They don't need that. They need the word of God. They know about light shows. They know about smoke. They know about all that stuff. They need to know that there's a difference in our lives as believers. Are we feeding our flesh or are we allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our lives? That's what they need to see. You see, God has given us a free will, so we need to decide daily, hourly, and sometimes minute by minute which one we're going to submit our lives to, to the flesh or to the Holy Spirit. Now, as we move on, Paul is going to give further details about elevating those in leadership, which unfortunately this takes place even in the body of Christ. Since every believer is going to stand before the reward seat of Christ one day, we covered a few weeks ago, don't for focus on personalities or presentation. Focus on the word that is being taught. Is the word being taught? Take God's good care God takes good care of his church, and he has a plan and purpose for every believer, every believer. So let's use our gifts to serve the Lord. Well how do I know that? Look at verse six. Now these things, first Corinthians four, six. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes. So the things we've talked about, I'm now your example. Listen to me. I'm going to be your example. Apollos is going to be your example. That you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written. So the scriptures that God, even in the Old Testament, gives us abilities, gives us wisdom, gives us gifts, gives us talents that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. And if you're new or visiting, this goes back to the very first chapter. Some people say, I'm of Apollos. Some people say, well, I'm of Paul. Some people say, well, I'm of pa- uh, Peter. And this is in the body of Christ. And then the super spiritual people go, well, you know, they're just men. I'm of Jesus. I just do what Jesus says. Oh, super spiritual. Okay, there's one God. There's one Son. There's one Holy Spirit. There's one church. Let's look at Acts chapter 20. Because Paul goes back to their carnality and points out the fact that Paul and Apollos, we're not drawing disciples to ourselves. We're not saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Oh, don't listen to Apollos. Listen to me. That is not taking place. Acts 20, 27 through 31. If you're new or visiting, please have a paper Bible. Greatly, if you don't have one, we will give you one today. Get a paper Bible. Start getting used to your Bible. Read it from Genesis to Revelation, so that when you hear something, you can go, something's not right here, and you start to search the Word, and you start doing other research as well. Acts 20, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. What that means for us today is Genesis to revelation the whole council is the whole council it's not picking and choosing what you like or oh my favorite book is ruth so i just stay in the book of ruth for for months and then you know maybe i'll read another book and i'll stay in that for maybe a year you want to read the whole bible the whole bible so that you understand the days that we're living in and so paul says i have not shunned to declare to you i've not come up short therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. Oh, so now we see that he's specifically talking to pastors. The role of the pastorate, which is biblical, church is essential. We need one another. We need pastors and teachers. That's it throughout the Bible. But doing what? Making sure we're teaching the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. Not picking and choosing certain verses because I need a new car or I need a new house or I need more clothes or this or that. No, 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 no. The whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation. Which he, notice this, which he purchased with his own blood. So who is the he there? Jesus. Learn to interpret your Bible. You can do it. The Holy Spirit will show you. For I know this that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. So where are they coming into? They're literally coming into the church. So if we're not aware from Genesis to Revelation what a pastor should be doing, what a Christian brother or Christian sister should be doing, and all of a sudden, and this has happened in this church, and it happened very se- uh, severely in our, my previous church that I was assistant pastor at, where a man came in, portrayed to be a Christian, and he fleeced certain people for tens of thousands of dollars, and we didn't even know what was going on until he left the state. And then they humbly, and embarrassment, came to us and said, can you help us? We're like, what? How long has this been going on? Oh, probably two or three years. He had a home fellowship. And you didn't say anything? We didn't know. Guys, we don't know everything. You have to be aware. You have to seek. You have to be meek enough. You have to be able to know what's going on. And say, you know, something's not right. I need to talk to somebody about this. A deacon, an elder, or the pastorate, whatever it might be. Or go to that person directly themselves, Matthew chapter 18, which we'll get to next week. So notice this. For I know this. He knows this. That after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. They don't care about the church also for among yourselves men will rise up so there's going to be outside people that try to come in and then there's going to be people that have been with us for a while that are going to try to do what speaking perverse things why to draw away the disciples after themselves so paul was not pointing to himself he was pointing to jesus and so we don't try to draw disciples after the pastorate's We try to draw people to Jesus and God just happens to use pastors to help in that process. So you have to make sure that you don't get drawn to a pastor or to a certain thing about Christianity and you miss the bigger focus of the word of God. It is all about the word of God. They were not in competition with each other, but rather were co-laborers for the kingdom of God. So Paul says to them, so why are you picking a pastor to follow after? And then arguing with one another about who is following the better pastor. That's what's being said here. Why are you doing that? That's immature. That's carnal. We're all serving together. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And I've seen this take place in churches. We don't endorse that around here. We're all serving Christ together. Verse 7. For who makes you differ from another? Paul asks the obvious question. And what do you have that you did not receive? This is so important, so important. Now, if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Remember last week, everything belongs to God? If it all belongs to God and he allows you or me... Randy, you got that slide? If he allows you or me to partake of a little bit of his spiritual attributes. Guys, this is what it's all about. This is why I share on a regular basis, you've got a gift, how are you using that gift? Not just here, but throughout your week. How are you using that gift? He wants to use you. And if he allows me to partake of a little bit of his spiritual attributes as well as earthly talents, why should anyone brag about themselves? Why should I brag? There's no way. You won't find me bragging about what I've done. It's all God. I'll point to God. That's what we all need to do. Say thank you. Don't get crazy. Just somebody compliments you. Thank you. But it's all about God. Don't read your, you know, when you read your own press, that can get you in trouble. Some people have received tremendous abilities and they think that they've developed them on their own. It's not true. And what Paul is saying here is don't be carnal and think that you're something when you're Nothing. Keep an honest evaluation of yourself. That's so important. Keep an honest evaluation of yourself. Thank God that we have different gifts. Thank God that we have different personalities. But apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, I can do nothing. John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine, Jesus speaking to his disciples. The night before he's going to be crucified, I am the vine, you are the branches. None of them became the vine. I am not the vine. No pastor is the vine. We're just a branch. Just a branch. You are a branch. And I in him bear as much fruit. For without me, notice what this says, for without me you can do nothing. Now you might go, if you're young in the Lord or if you're even unsaved, you're thinking, well, I've done a lot of things in my life. Really? For eternal value? For the hay, wood, and stubble? Yeah, we've, we can all say we've done a lot in that area. How about the gold, silver, and precious stones? Because remember, we're all going to stand before the behemoth seat of Christ. And everything we've done is going to be tested by fire. The gaze of Christ. What did you do with my name? What did you do with the faith? I can do nothing eternally of any eternal value apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Apart from Jesus. So important. So as we continue on, verses 8 through 13. And I guess Paul didn't understand the health and wealth doctrine of his day, or in his day. Because in verse 8 through 13, he says this, You are already full, you are already rich, you have reigned as kings without us, and indeed I could wish you did reign, that we might also reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, so very specifically, those men who are going out and starting churches, even today, there's, 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 there's men who have the gift of, of being apostle, not the 12 apostles, so the Mormons say they have apostles, they change the word of God, they change their own doctrine. No, 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 no. Apostle is a man who is sent out to help start churches. So that's still applicable to today. They don't rewrite the scriptures, they don't add to the scriptures, they just have a special calling to be able to go out and help people start churches. So Paul, the apostles, those who are starting churches, Last, as men condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels, the heavens, and to men or mankind. That's mankind there. We are fools for Christ's sake. Now think about this as Paul is saying that and bring it into today. As a pastor, I'm looked at as a fool today for staying in the word of God alone. For saying that marriage is between one genetic male and one genetic female. That living together is not scriptural. And we'll get into this next week. Having sex before marriage is not scriptural. Abusing prescription drugs is not scriptural. You won't hear this at most churches. That's why some people don't stick around. And that's fine. I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm here to disciple you. And by going over the word of God, it disciples you and it keeps me in check as well. I need accountability. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. You are, but we are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. Now, praise God, this has never happened to me. We've been blessed, super blessed. Does it mean it's always going to be that way? Not necessarily. I'm trusting in God. And we labor working with our own hands being reviled we bless being persecuted we endure being defamed we entreat we have been made as the filth of this world the offscouring of all things until now you see this is quite a list that paul writes to the corinthians here and it shows us the truth about christianity especially the days we're living in because of his obedience to the truth he was defamed why why was he defamed Because he didn't fit in with the ways of the Lord. Being defamed, the definition of that is to insult, to slander, to speak ill of. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 very quickly. Turn there very quickly. Get used to your Bible. The faster you get uh, used used to it, the faster you'll be able to get there. You might have a prison ministry one day and you won't be able to take your phone into prison. Matthew five ten. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Notice that. For righteousness' sake. Being right with God. Not being self-righteous. Just being right with God. That's what righteousness means. I'm right with God. Jesus may be right with God, but now heaven to earth, but earth to heaven. I need to remain right with God. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not the kingdom of America. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. The word blessed here is happy, abundantly happy. Not like you're going to Disneyland and you show up and they're closed. No, this is happy because I'm looking at eternal things, not temporal things. I'm keeping my eyes on the goal. Blessed are when you they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. But what's taking place, and we'll get to it a little bit later today, people are looking for rewards on this earth. And we'll get to it. It's a two-word phrase. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we shouldn't be surprised at the persecution. Off-scouring is scum. A good picture of this would be the remains in the bathtub after you've soaked for a while. Once you, pull the, 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 once you drain the tub, there's a film left behind that's disgusting. And that's the way the world looks at true believers, as scum. Not, worthy, not worth anything. But rather someone who should, have, who should have the plug pulled to be pushed down to the drain. And today it's called the cancel culture. The cancel culture. If you don't agree with someone else's perspective about, a mo- about our modern culture, you're weird, you're out of touch, you're a phobiac of some sort. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And again, you might think, wow, this guy's going through the Bible. This is, I'm not used to this. Um, well, get used to it. Get used to your Bible. Because it is the word of God, not the word of man. It was really hard for me yesterday. It was really hard for me yesterday. I did a, a memorial service, and um, it was really grieving as I was doing it. Um, we were in, a, we were in a, a, a facility that wasn't conducive to, uh, it wasn't like this, you know, it wasn't conducive. It was, it was a, a dinner hall. It was a party hall. And so people were sitting around, around tables. So it wasn't really like conducive to respect. And I was sharing the word of God. And it was so weird. I mean, you have no idea what goes through my mind up here as I'm teaching the Word of God. How the enemy sometimes will say, you know what, just close your Bible. They don't care. Just leave. Just, just leave right now. Or, or somebody's um, smirking or laughing, and, I'm th- and your brain goes, did I say something funny? I don't think I said something funny. Why are they laughing? Is there something going on? All those things, and maybe this doesn't happen to you, but if you think about it this week, you're going to realize when you're doing something, the brain is just, all these other things might be coming at it. Well, I'm teaching the Word of God over a man who's a believer, loved Jesus, loved the Word of God. He's in heaven. He's been in heaven 11,000 years now. No, 12,000 years. 11 was yesterday. 12,000 years, and there are people at these round tables with their phones, and they're showing pictures to each other. Other people are talking I'm sharing the word of God. I'm not sharing my beliefs. I'm, taught, I'm literally reading out of the Bible, and they could care less. Now, you're, you're here because you love the word of God. I'm just trying to give you a bigger picture, and you, most of you know this. In the world, they don't care what you think. You're weird. This is 2021. Get up with the program. You've got a phobia of some sort. So you and I, we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised. So Ephesians 5, just to give us some information on where we should be as Christians, but fornication, now fornication is any sex outside of marriage. Any sex. Heterosex, homosexuality, bestiality. But fornication of an all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. You see, you and I were saints. And we make mistakes. We all sin. I've sinned this past week. This is not what it's talking about. It's talking about habitual sin. A lifestyle. A lifestyle that even the world knows. Adultery? Even the world knows adultery is not a good thing to do. And yet, it happens in Christianity, and they're looking at you like, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you... And they don't say it, but they think it. I guarantee you they think it. They look at you I, I thought you didn't do that aren't aren't you a christian you're committing adultery you're getting drunk at the company picnic you're you're abusing prescription drugs you call in late or you have to miss a day because you're strung out and they're they're just questioning in their minds naturally neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks Uh, For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man or woman who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ, the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. This is so important for us today. They're trying to deceive us with empty words. It's okay to live together. Uh, We should be endorsing same-sex marriage. Um, So many things, so many things. Uh, these uh, dispensaries popping up all over town Let, let's legalize marijuana nationally there's a drive to do that nationally let's legalize it for the whole country it's the best thing to do and oh by the way let's, let's take and once we legalize that then anyone that's ever been found guilty of something with doing with marijuana let's open up all the prisons and release them because they're not bad people anymore sounds like a great idea let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Not the Christian. The sons of disobedience, the unbeliever. Therefore, here's the exhortation, do not be partakers with them. Keep that in mind for next week and read ahead 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to get into really heavy study next week. Okay, back in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 16. I do not write these things to shame you, but as a beloved, but as my beloved children, I warn you guys that 's what the Bible is for to warn us the do 's and the don 'ts. God is not the cosmic killjoy; He wants to keep us safe you 'll see why here in a moment or two for though you might have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers for in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Wow. Imitate me. That's kind of scary. Imitate me. Follow me. I think I I would have a hard time saying that because I make mistakes. But I should be able to say it, and so should you. We shouldn't be so scared that we wouldn't encourage somebody to do that. That's an unhealthy fear. We need to have a healthy fear. Yeah, follow me, because I follow Christ. I'm not perfect. I might make a mistake, so don't, don't be harsh on me. But, you know, I, I, I'm sinning less. We'll never be sinless, but hopefully we're sinning less. You know, 20, 25, 30 years into our walk. You see, a loving father warns his children, especially of those things that the world calls acceptable. I would find it hard to believe that any father in here would not do this. A loving father warns his children. You do that. And that's what Paul is doing to the Corinthians. He's not beating them up. He's not trying to do guilt on them. None of that religious nonsense. He's warning them about things that happen in our lives that will take us down, that will cause us problems. If the world is calling it acceptable, we had better perk up and watch out and be in the word of God. Paul is giving them an analogy of a father and son relationship. And it's amazing today how many good, solid teachers we can listen to. You see, the body of Christ is tremendously blessed with the availability of CDs, DVDs, MP3s, podcasts. The Corinthians had various teachers available to them. Get the big picture here. We're going back over the last few chapters. They had Apollos, they had Peter. They didn't have Jesus. Paul, they had three. But they only had one man who really looked after their well-being and treated them as their children. And that's why it's so important to be in a church fellowship. If you're looking for a church, praise God. Look for a church. Pray. God will guide you. Don't go to a church where you just feel comfortable. They don't talk about sin. I like this church. Wrong. Go to a church where you're being challenged by the word of God in your relationship with Jesus. That's what a good father will do. Those who teach the word over the airways, they do not have intimate contact with you. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I listen to other pastors through podcasts. I'm not a good reader, so that's actually how I study a lot. So I do listen to other pastors, so I'm not saying that. Don't go on any extremes. I'm talking about church is essential. Being in a church, getting plugged into a church, and then ministering in that church. Being ministered to but also learning how to minister to others. You see, those on the radio, they don't have the ability to say, hey, let's stop that behavior. They can't say that to me. They don't know me. They're just far off. There's little to no accountability. So Paul is going to bring up a very hard topic in chapter 5 that only a loving father would deal with. And I want you to get the bigger picture. So please read ahead. Read all of chapter 5. I've actually had to do chapter 5. It's very hard, but a good father will do it. And that's what Paul is stressing here. You have many teachers, but you only got one dad. And there's nothing wrong with other teachers. But I'm going to be strong enough. I'm going to be bold enough. I'm going to be loving enough to tell you when you're doing something wrong. Those other teachers might not. Others might have just pulled back and said, Well, you know, the Lord will take care of that sin. I'm not getting involved. I might get sued or something like that. But a loving and concerned father will get involved. Paul says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Paul wasn't just a traveling preacher. Paul was a spiritual father. That's, you see that in the scriptures, and that's a different heart. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with traveling preachers, so don't get on any weird kicks. Everybody has a calling. Paul's just making his calling as a pastor, as an overseer, as someone who loves the sheep and wants to be held accountable, but also wants them to be accountable to the word of God that he's inspired to write through the Holy Spirit. There is a big difference there. The Heavenly Father definitely wants to get involved. Which basically requires vessels of flesh, you as well as me, to accomplish his discipline on this earth. You and I are that body of flesh. Back in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians four seventeen, For this reason I sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. Uh, we know that, that Paul, Timothy is not Paul's literal, physical, biological son. But notice what he says. He's my faithful son in the Lord. Isn't that a great title to have? Written in the word of God. Who will remind you, I have this highlighted in my Bible, who will remind you of my ways in Christ. Not just my ways, because we all have different ways. We all have quirks. No, my ways in Christ. There's a big difference. My ways in Christ. As I teach everywhere in every place. Church, so he's saying to them, Go back to the word of God let's look at Philippians chapter two, Philippians chapter two, to get some insight on Timothy, this faithful laborer in the kingdom of God, which I encourage you to become a faithful laborer. What gift do you have? but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. You see, Paul is writing from prison. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. So Paul is not saying nobody else is teaching the Bible. I'm the only one teaching the Bible. He's not saying that at all. That's why you want to read it all, step back and go, what is he really saying here? Notice what he says. "Who, Who will sincerely care for your state or care about you personally. So again, there's all kinds of gifts. There's all kinds of ministries. There's no bashing going on from me at all. I'm just trying to explain to you the heart of a pastor, a true pastor for a flock. True pastor for a flock. Verse 21, for all seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character that as a son with his father, here it is again, this physical analogy. How are we doing as dads? Are we raising up our children to the best of our ability through the scriptures? Or are we leaving that to our wives? Don't leave it to your wife because wives will do it. That's great. Praise God. We're co-equal in Christ. But as pillars of the church, you need to be instilling in these values in your children and grandchildren. That as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. 1 Corinthians 4. Go back as we get ready to wrap it up here. Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. (laughs) Paul. History says that he was short, crooked nose, had an eye ailment, which I think that's scriptural, oozing eyes, uh, that his speech wasn't that big. He's not like Apollos. You know, he wasn't a big man, tall man, not like Apollos. Apollos is just, man, he knows how to share the word. He just really puts it out there. They're making fun of Paul. Could you imagine being in a church making fun of Paul? (laughs) Paul the apostle? But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know... Not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. The power of a transformed life. Romans 6. A few more scriptures. Romans 6. Again, get used to your Bible. If you don't have one in prison, you're going to need to be able to quote it. Somebody else will have one. They do hand them out. I was a chaplain, visited people in prison. They're hard to get, but they do get them. Romans 6.13, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Again, being right with God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. You see, some of the Christians in Corinth were puffed up Because they followed a certain messenger. And again, Paul is teaching them that there is no power in following someone. But power can be seen in a person that implements what the teacher shares through the Holy Spirit. Think of that and realize that. Could you turn on some of these these Christian fiction stuff? And it's all about the power of the pastor and his preaching and getting everybody revved up and all psyched up and this, that, and the other thing. That's not the power. The power is a transformed life. How is the Word of God transforming in my life? How is the Word of God transforming your life? If it's not transforming your life, then there's a lack of power, the Holy Spirit. Not that you're not saved, you're still saved. You can't lose your salvation if you're truly saved. But do you have power? Again, a transformed life. Now, power! Power! to raise somebody from the dead or heal somebody. That's nonsense. God wants to do that, he'll do it through you. If he wants to do it. Power is a transformed life. Transformed life. Back in Corinthians, as we wrap it up, what do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says this, a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness out of the New Living Translation. But physical discipline will drive it far away from him. I do believe in spanking. I don't do it to any of your children here, obviously. Um, But my children and my grandchildren know I do it. Not my children anymore because they're adults, but the world says that's abuse. And it can be abusive, absolutely. It can absolutely be abusive. I would not argue that. But it it is also a biblical form of discipline when done rightly, correctly, lovingly, justly does work. Well, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. Maybe I'm too old for a spanking. So let's see what God's word has to say about that. So Paul says, what do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod? Do you want me to spank you? Or in love and a spirit of gentleness to commend you, to edify you. If you need a spanking, I'll spank you, Paul says. Not beat you up, not abuse you. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11, and I personally believe, I wouldn't argue this, that Paul wrote this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens or disciplines He scourges every son whom he receives, or daughter. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Ties in with what we're reading. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So in other words, if you think you're a Christian but you're still living like the devil and you've been living like that for years, maybe you're not one of God's kids. Maybe you just made a head commitment and you didn't make a heart commitment. And you think, God must not care because I'm just just doing everything I do and there's no issues. Yeah, because you're still in the devil's household. So you have to evaluate that. I'll never tell anybody they're not saved. But if you're living like the devil, I'll say you better determine if you're in the faith or not because your fruit is not the fruit of a Christian. And you keep living it and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. So don't bank on life insurance, you know, fire insurance. Well, I accepted Christ at nine years old, so, yeah. Might have been a head commitment. Verse 9, Furthermore, we have had human fathers who correct us. Notice this. And we paid them respect. Young people, respect your parents. They're trying to discipline you to the best of their ability. Do they fall short? Do they make mistakes? Yeah. Honor them, love them, go to them in humility. Talk about it. You know what we would do oftentimes as teenagers, because, yeah, spanking should never be past a certain age. Uh, we would sit down, we'd go, okay, you did this, this, and this. You know what? What should be the discipline? We put the ball in their court. That's really hard. Because now they've got to know, okay, if I go too light, they're going to make it hard. If I go too hard, it's going to be hard on me. They have to figure it out themselves. They have to become part of the process. Making your child part of the process is good. It's healthy. So what should be the discipline? You know you did wrong. What should be the discipline? Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Subjection to God the Father? For they indeed for a few days chastened us to seem best to them. Speaking of natural fathers with their natural children. But God, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields... Oh, Matt, why aren't you up here? Oh, here you're finally coming. Here, you're supposed to be up here five minutes ago. <laughs> now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields... Notice this, guys. Go through Discipline. Don't go around it. God's trying to discipline you. Don't go around it. He'll bring you back to it. Go through it with God. Go through it. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness, being right with God, to those who have been trained by it. Father, we thank you and praise you. For again, you don't want to come at us spanking us, but you will discipline us. And sometimes that's pretty embarrassing. So Lord, help us to have a very short list. Let's do 1 John 1, 9, daily, hourly, minute by minute, trying to be right with you, not out of an unhealthy fear, but a healthy fear. So Father, we do thank you that you discipline us and that you want to keep us on the straight and narrow. We wouldn't want a dad that just lets us do anything and get away with it. So Father, we thank you for that. So be glorified in and through our lives and help us to be ready for that discipline each and every moment of the day. In Jesus' precious name. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.